Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Just realized that there are forces of nature out there that sometimes are unstoppable, despite our best efforts. Residents of Tumbler Ridge understandably on edge after being forced out by an aggressive wildfire. They're checking in here at an evacuation center in Dawson Creek anxiously awaiting word on what's going on back home. Good evening and thanks for joining us. That wildfire has now come within just five kilometers of the town's borders. And what happens next very much depends on Mother Nature. For the latest on this story, let's bring in our Romina Dea, who is in Dawson Creek tonight. Romina. Sophie, we were just 10 kilometers outside the community of Tumbler Ridge and you could feel the burn in the back of your throat. It was an eerie feeling to be on the side of the road. It was super quiet and all you could hear was the crackle of the fire. But you couldn't see the flames under the thick blanket of heavy smoke. Ash falling from the sky on the front lines. Flames creeping closer. Fire crews laser focused on an unpredictable wild card, the wind. We need you to go. These winds are squirrely and it's not safe for you. Baby Ezra, one of 2,400 residents ordered to evacuate Thursday. The risk too great. Ezra's dad, a firefighter, left behind to save his community. I'm really proud of him and appreciate everything he's doing. And then other times I'm like, can you please just drop everything and come be with us? Because it's sort of stressful. Homeless, but safe. Uncertainty weighing heavy. It's a gut-wrenching feeling. Like, we're honestly not sure if we're going to have community to go back to. So we're all just praying that everything is going to be safe and that we can actually call our home home after all this. If the town got wiped out, there's nowhere to go. Like, that is such a wonderful town. You know, it's, we've been there for so long, so it'd be tough to replace that. A temporary reprieve. The fire has not breached the town's borders. As of 2 p.m. Friday, it was roughly five kilometers away. We are kind of leaning towards a little bit of cautious optimism. Hopefully that wind will shift earlier than it is forecast to. But in the meantime, the area, the area of concern continues to be the community of Tumbler Ridge. To lose all the memories that were in there is just going to be, if it were to happen, it would be absolutely devastating. This community forever grateful to every firefighter, every volunteer, no matter the outcome. Oops, thank you. Can't say enough, right? And most of them have partners and families that, that are happy that they're helping, but wish they were not. So you just, you hope for the best, right?
Now, Sophie, the fire chief is trying to reassure residents, saying that they're doing everything that they can. Crews are in Tumbler Ridge. They are trying to protect homes and infrastructure, and more crews are on the way, he says. Again, the wild card is the wind. That's what everyone is watching. Back mm -hmm. to you. All right, thanks for that. Remina Dea in Dawson Creek for us tonight. Now, on Vancouver Island, the Cameron Bluffs wildfire has grown again, with fresh crews arriving to help in that firefight. For the coastal communities of Tofino, Euclid, and Port Alberni, the day brought another new challenge, a multi-hour closure of the one detour linking them with the rest of Vancouver Island. Kylie Stanton has the latest. With every passing day, the Cameron Bluffs wildfire continues to grow, now 208 hectares. But with the arrival of cooler weather, progress is being made. Currently seeing just a, a little bit of open flame and smoldering ground fire, uh, which is good news for the crews and all of us uh, working on this fire. The bad news, it's left everything and everyone around the fire scrambling to adapt. Another highway would be nice in, or another road. On Tuesday afternoon, the wildfire forced the closure of Highway 4, the main road connecting Port Alberni, Tofino and Euclid to the rest of Vancouver Island. Since then, anyone travelling in or out of those communities needs to use this detour route, a narrow winding gravel road that extends the trip by four hours. But when that shut down temporarily on Friday, allowing crews to retrieve this crashed vehicle, drivers were out of options. I mean, it puts concern in people's minds, but it, it is a temporary closure. It's eight hours. Despite public pleas, panic buying has left gas stations running low or completely empty, and store shelves are bare. Well, yeah, people are just kind of hoarding everything they can, and it's if everybody just bought, you know, what they usually do would be okay. Officials are reminding the public the supply chain remains intact, with gas and food managing to make it through on the alternate route. But tourists are another story. A lot of refunds. It's, uh, it's a hit. Definitely. Uh, we're feeling it. Many weddings also on the verge of being cancelled. I don't really think I have much time to wait it out, so I think by the end of the day, today or tomorrow, I will be making a final call. A massive blow to the sector as it enters peak season. There's less people here. The streets are fairly quiet. And it's expected to stay that way at least into next week. Officials saying with the debris crews are seeing coming off the slope and onto the highway, it's simply not safe to reopen just yet. But if the fire continues to move to the opposite side of the slope, they'll be able to get to work. It does bode well for us to be able to make the assessment needed and to also do the danger tree removal needed. It, it is a big area and it's also very important that we don't miss anything. Which means, at least for now, this detour, which will reopen to the public Friday evening, will no longer be the road less traveled. Kylie Stanton, Global News. And taking a look at the province-wide wildfire situation right now, there are 78 fires burning around B.C. 28 of them are classified as out of control, and five of those are classified as wildfires of note. That means they pose a risk to homes, major roads, or infrastructure. So far this year, fires have consumed more than 620,000 hectares, or 6,200 square kilometers. That's an area more than double the size of Metro Vancouver. And in the past 24 hours, there have been 11 new fires reported. Well, the weather helped 
a bit today. So mm -hmm. let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon for more on the precipitation we saw in some parts of the province. Christy? So thankful to have that rainfall, Sophie. You know, it really is just a drop in the bucket compared to the precipitation deficit that we have across the region. But nonetheless, we'll take it cooler condition, cooler temperatures, as well as cloud cover. And across the south coast, we saw rainfall in both areas that have the fires of note, so near Harrison Lake, as well as across Vancouver Island. And we'll continue to see that moisture as we head through the overnight period. This is tracking towards the north and has been dry throughout the day in Tumbler Ridge. But we are seeing a cell of rainfall make its way towards it. But as you can see, embedded in that are thunderstorms. So the concern is for gusty winds along with that rainfall. Tomorrow brings more rain for the region, but minimal amounts. We're talking about just a couple of millimeters for the area. More on that when I come back. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Christy. Now, questions are being raised about how the province can better prepare for wildfire seasons like this one. For more, let's bring in our Keith Baldry in Victoria. And this is something, Keith, that both the Premier and the Forest Minister were talking about today. Yeah, it's a safe bet that as we get into what could be and is likely to be the worst uh, wildfire season in B.C. history, that wherever Premier David Eby goes, whatever event he's at, he's going to be asked about the wildfire situation. And today, talking about are we prepared enough, he did respond to that, saying we've hired 300 more firefighters and year-round work has been going on. And you're going to be hearing from him all summer long on this. And you're also going to be hearing from Forest Minister Bruce Walston quite a bit as well today, talking about the need over the summer of to coordinate talks between mayors, forest services and indigenous communities. Here's two politicians you're going to see and hear a lot of through the summer. For the province, uh, it's been critical for us to make sure that we have our fire service uh, working year-round now. Uh, so we're not trying to spool up the fire service at the beginning of the fire season uh, so they're able to prepare throughout the entire year. Uh, we have more than 300 additional uh, wildfire uh, firefighters uh, who are now uh, part of our provincial team. We are in close touch with them. They're really important partners. Uh, generally, they bring knowledge on the ground when a fire is taking place. And, and uh, they're also uh, uh, keen uh, supporters of the BC Wildfire Service. A further and future uh, coordination and work with the municipalities and Indigenous governments is increasingly important. So we'll know over the summer, I think fairly short term, whether that prep work worked and whether there's enough coordination. And the key there is to look at the interface fires, how many of those there are. And those are the fires that directly threaten uh, communities and force evacuations. We saw a number of those several years ago. Fingers crossed we don't see it again, but forest officials at yesterday's briefing painting a very bleak scenario what's likely to unfold over the summer. It's going to be a terrible wildfire season. Mm. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Well, it appears British Columbians are embracing a new approach to treating minor ailments. At the beginning of this month, the province gave pharmacists the power to prescribe medications for 21 conditions, and hundreds of people used that service on the first day. For more, let's bring in our Richard Zussman in Victoria. Richard. It's the biggest change in powers pharmacists in B.C. have ever experienced. And now you can step up here and actually get something prescribed for a minor ailment. And since those changes came into place last week, it seems so far to be working. It is easing pressure on B.C.'s healthcare system one pill at a time. Patients love it, obviously. Um, finding a walk-in clinic in town is near impossible. Last week, pharmacists across B.C. were given new prescribing powers for minor ailments. 
ranging from allergies to acne to birth control. In the first day alone, 891 patients were assessed through the new process. Doctors next door at the urgent care clinic, they're actually referring some of their patients over to us, which is nice, so that obviously means that they're on board as well. BC is the last province in the country to allow pharmacists, rather than just doctors, to prescribe. Doctors of BC were originally reluctant to hand over the power, but now support the program, considering it allows them to focus on more complex patient needs. It's critically important uh, for our province, and I think all provinces in Canada right now, uh, to find ways uh, to get all hands on deck in responding to healthcare needs of British Columbians and Canadians. There are around 900,000 British Columbians without a family doctor, and emergency room wait times continue to climb due to an increase in patient ER visits coupled with staffing shortages. For now, there's no consideration being given to expand the power of pharmacists even further. It's about better health care for people in our province, and our pharmacists have done an exceptional job in that. I do think we're probably at where the extent of our limit or our scope of practice at least, mostly because these are all the minor ailments. There's 21 um, conditions in that minor ailment list, so it's already pretty big. Um, anything beyond that, at least I would prefer to get more education, more training done. Right now, Sophie, to get that prescription, you show up here at the pharmacist and wait to get prescribed. But starting June 29th, that will change. You can actually book an appointment online using the same system used for COVID-19 vaccinations. Mm -hmm. Sophie? Interesting. All right. Thanks for that. Richard Zussman in Victoria. Well, supply chain struggles could be ramping up again. Unionized workers at the ports of Vancouver and Prince Rupert started voting today on whether to strike. What the impact would be if there's a walkout next on the NewsHour. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. New criminal charges against Donald Trump. The accusations the former president is facing later on the news hour. Plus, the aftermath of a bizarre crash at Whole Foods in Park Royal. That's still to come tonight. First, though, a strike vote is happening today and tomorrow that could have far-reaching impacts on the Canadian economy. Longshore workers are voting on whether to give their union a strike mandate. A labour stoppage can't happen for at least two weeks, but as Aaron MacArthur reports, BC businesses that rely on the port are watching closely. The economic activity generated at BC ports is staggering. $350 billion worth of goods moved through the ports of Prince Rupert and Vancouver. Now the Longshoremen Union, representing 7,000 members across the province, is potentially in a position to walk off the job by the end of the month. They've been without a contract since March, and talks between the two sides appear to have hit an impasse. BC business groups are concerned. It comes at a time where we're in a bit of a recovery from COVID, from the, the catastrophic floods that we saw, the heat dome. So we want to do everything we can, and we're urging both sides in this dispute to come together. For BC companies that rely on the port, the potential for a strike could have long-term consequences. Crichton Industries ships concrete additives to customers in dozens of countries around the world. A strike would see an immediate financial hit, but longer term there is concern that a supply chain disruption hurts its reputation. It's really important that our customers can rely on us to get them the goods that they need. 
The problem is that other people can supply from other countries. Neither the union nor the employers would speak on camera, trying to protect the integrity of the negotiation. Both sides under a 21-day mandatory cooling-off period after conciliation ended May 30th. The union, though, has gone ahead and taken a strike vote, ratcheting up the pressure to get a deal done. The Employers Association, in a statement, says... The BCMEA will continue to approach the negotiations with a commitment to bargaining in good faith. Labor disputes are also affecting U.S. ports. Longshoremen at California's largest facilities have been without a contract since last year. And slowdowns are already having an impact on the supply chain. Job action in Canada will only squeeze that supply chain further. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A major shakeup in low-cost air travel in Canada as one of the major Canadian ultra-low-cost carriers is set to disappear. Swoop Airlines flew to destinations across Canada and used Abbotsford as its base in the Lower Mainland. It's owned by WestJet, and as part of a recent deal with WestJet pilots, Swoop will be absorbed into mainline operations. Pilots ratified their new contract this week. Swoop will continue to operate until October 28th, and employees and planes will be transferred to WestJet. Coming up, Iran's crackdown on children. Our kids are experiencing and facing violation right now. The youngest victims of the Islamic Republic and the BC woman trying to make sure the world remembers them. And later, David Johnston steps down. Why the special rapporteur has resigned his post. Traffic is steady both ways now at the Patello Bridge after clearing an early crash. Anticipate delays later on for road work, though. It's affecting traffic in the northbound lanes. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $22 million. Lotto Max dreamed of the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. A warning about this next story. Some of the details are disturbing. A Vancouver woman is part of an international campaign to bring attention to children who are being killed and horribly abused by the ruling regime in Iran. Negar Moshtehedi reports. Nine-year-old Kian Pierfalak wanted to be a robotics engineer. But his young life stolen. On November 16, 2022, shot and killed while sitting in his parents' vehicle. When the IRGC agent approached a car, he told his dad that let's this time trust the police. His mother and father suing government agents for killing their son. Kion is one of 76 confirmed cases of children killed by the Islamic Republic since the beginning of the Women Life Freedom Movement, sparked by the death of Masojina Amini in September. From the age of two up to the age of uh, 17. Former political prisoner and activist Shiva Mahbubi documenting their cases, who they were, how and where they died, in a new report that also outlines other crimes committed by the regime against Iranian children. Children who've been abducted, been taken to prison, unknown places, been tortured, raped. Majority of these cases are not known. Their family, they, they are really scared to talk about them. I think there is just one solution, and that's the revolution. 
Vancouver resident Tara, who is concealing her last name for her protection, is part of an NGO, the Iranian Justice Collective. Their campaigns say their names, collecting evidence for the United Nations fact-finding mission. In many cases, their response was, oh, they have been killed by accidents, uh, dog attacks, or even suicide. Their goal? Seeking justice for children like Kion, who never grew up to realize who he could be. When you just look at those faces and you think what they've been through, what they suffered, that's their experience of life being brutally mutilated in a sense and being brutally punished for what is their basic right, freedom of expression. In a handwritten note for a school assignment, he was asked, who is the happiest and luckiest person in the world? He answered, himself and Elon Musk. Negar Moshehri, Global News. Well, the second annual Missing and Murdered Indigenous Men and Boys March took place in Vancouver this morning. Girls and women are more often the targets of violence, but Indigenous men and boys are also victims. People attending today's rally say that group doesn't get nearly enough attention. They're hoping to raise awareness of the growing crisis and continue calls for justice. In 2022, Indigenous men and boys represented 32% of all missing persons alerts across Canada. Of those reported missing, 30% are still missing or have been found dead according to the Vancouver Indigenous Services Society. I really appreciate the volunteers and the people that make these things happen to bring us together like this so that we can continue to create the public awareness of this matter, this issue. According to the Vancouver Indigenous Services Society, Indigenous men are also 10 times more likely to be shot and killed in police-involved shootings. Up next, the case against Donald Trump. I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. New charges against the former president. And later, celebrating Indigenous art, the special market showcasing First Nations creations. Getty in both directions at the Portman Bridge tonight with just a bit of leftover volume further east on Highway 1 through the Fraser Valley. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services. Choose the best. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Well, Global News has confirmed Special Rapporteur on Foreign Interference David Johnston has resigned. In a letter sent to the Prime Minister today, Johnston says, given the highly partisan atmosphere around my appointment and my work, my leadership has had the opposite effect, adding his resignation is effective no later than the end of June or as soon as he delivers a brief final report. The former Governor General was appointed by the PM back in March. He was tasked with looking into alleged Chinese election interference. Opposition parties have been calling for his resignation, citing alleged conflicts of interest and outcry over Johnston's recommendation not to hold a public inquiry. In his resignation letter, Johnston encourages Trudeau to appoint a respected person with national security experience, ideally in consultation with opposition parties.
A second grand jury indictment for former President Donald Trump. This new legal peril comes amid an ongoing investigation into his handling of classified documents after he left office. That's resulted in charges linked to obstruction of justice and violations of the Espionage Act. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest. This is the epicenter of Donald Trump's latest legal saga that's led to another indictment, resulting in 37 counts against the former president over sensitive government documents found at Mar-a-Lago. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. It's a hoax. Trump insists he's innocent of charges. He withheld documents of national security and made false statements and drums this up to election interference, arguing the White House is behind it. I have never once suggested the Justice Department what they should do or not do. And while the GOP argues this to be government weaponization, legal experts refute that. It's actually an example of uh, one of the positives of America, accountability to the rule of law, even at the highest levels. For more than a year, Donald Trump has made contradictory statements about the documents at his home. I have no classified documents. You can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified, even by thinking about it. His disregard for the rules resulted in a drawn-out battle to get the documents back, some of which are the reason he's now facing espionage charges. Our laws that protect national defense information are critical to the safety and security of the United States, and they must be enforced. An aide to Donald Trump is also charged with similar offenses. But for all the questions about bots being moved and security rooms being flooded, lawyers point to Trump's own actions resulting in consequences. There are very clear guidelines about handling classified information. President Trump, having served as president for four years, knows those guidelines. The indictment explains Trump hoarded domestic and foreign military secrets with some of the most damning evidence coming from Trump's own lawyer, who was forced to testify. The former president faces up to 100 years in prison if convicted. Arraignment is set for Tuesday in Miami. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Well, we've been tracking the growing unhappiness with BC's healthcare sector, and a new poll put some numbers to the discontent. As Paul Johnson reports, perhaps not surprisingly, the poll finds some of the biggest problems are in the emergency room. When one of the province's biggest hospitals makes the news because of a crisis of capacity, how does that translate into public opinion about our health system? Pollster Steve Mossop wanted to find out. All those anecdotal stories of horror stories in the ER room, how extensive are those experiences? Mossop's latest Leger poll found that overall, half of British Columbians still rate our healthcare system as good. But when you dig deeper into specific issues, opinion tips into negative territory. When asked about a specific, like length of time to get treated in the ER, 55% of respondents said they had a negative opinion politicians take note. It's pretty clear cut. When you have 55% of people who have been to the ER in the past 12 months or six months, I should say, that say that the wait times were unacceptable, that's, that's a significant number. There goes health care, there goes your electoral chances. Daniel Fontaine has worked in a number of jobs in politics and is an advocate for long-term care providers. He says given the size of the health care system, making substantial changes quickly to satisfy patients and voters is probably not an option. 
Well, if you're referring to whether they can do it before the next election, um, I would say they're going to be extremely challenged to do that. But for anyone wanting to score partisan points off this, Fontaine says that's not the correct take either. He says the problems we currently face have been decades in the making and can't be legitimately pinned all on the current government, though they're the ones with the unenviable task of being the face of it. We know that the answers that are often felt in the emergency room are really an expression of the need for more community care, the need for long-term care, and better primary care. On all these initiatives, the investments are, have been, and will be massive in Surrey. Paul Johnson, Global News. Up next, crashing the Whole Foods lunch rush. The vehicle went straight into the building. The chaos after a car drove into the grocery store in West Vancouver. Plus, once a hotel dog, always a hotel dog. How Winston's retirement was more of a relocation. All your local news. All your breaking news. All the news you need. Get it at 6. Global News Hour at 6. Well, quite a scene in West Vancouver today when a car crashed into the Whole Foods Market at Park Royal. West Vancouver firefighters say two people were treated by paramedics. One was sent to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The vehicle slammed into the market in the middle of the produce section, about 40 to 50 feet inside the building. Fire crews say the incident happened when the driver, a man in his 80s, accelerated his BMW through the entrance at high speed. It's not clear what caused that to happen. The driver drove into Whole Foods, took a left turn, and um, took out most of the produce department. There was many patrons um, shopping in Whole Foods during that time. It was 11 o'clock, a busy time for Whole Foods, and approximately two dozen people in the produce department. Well, once the initial investigation was complete, officers carefully drove the car out of the store the same way it came in. The new Westminster Craft Indigenous Market is back in the city for its second year. The event celebrates Indigenous art, music and storytelling. Travis Prasad has a preview. The final strokes of the paintbrush are being applied to a meaningful mural at the new Westminster Quay. I think in a lot of the work uh, that I create, it's certainly telling a story. Behind the colourful creations are young Indigenous artists. As long as you're Indigenous and you're creating art, whatever it looks like, that's Indigenous art because that's your story. Paintings, digital designs and carvings, just some of the creations by emerging artists being featured this weekend at the Indigenous market. I don't even have words to describe how important this is to me, let alone all the people who will be selling at that market, engaging with it, just going to see the other artists. Now in its second year, the Indigenous Market is a partnership between the Arts Council of New Westminster and Shop First Nations. On Saturday, the boardwalk here along the Fraser River will transform with more than 40 Indigenous vendors selling everything from crafts to food. There will also be music, dance and storytelling sessions. If you're a consumer or someone just looking to, to do your weekend shopping, it's a really easy step you can take to support Indigenous entrepreneurs. In turn, that supports Indigenous communities and their families and helps grow the Indigenous economy. 
Organizers say the theme of this year's Artist Showcase is recognizing the true value of Indigenous art, a cultural practice once banned in Canada. Our people need to stop uh, giving away our things for free and knowing what our worth is, you know. We need to understand and accept and believe in ourselves, you know, that what we have is of value. Indigenous artists embracing that message and seizing the opportunity. Having a market like this for people to sell their work and actually make a profit and show, hey, you can live a life with this as your job is super important to tell like any young artist. The market runs on Saturday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. and is free to attend. Travis Prasad, Global News. All right, let's bring in Christy Gordon once again with a look at our weather forecast. And uh, big, big green blobs are good, but I see a lot yeah. of lightning strikes in there. I know. So that's a, exactly what I was going to get into, Sophie. So I just want to give you an idea. So I've put in where the generally where I think the fire is in the Tumbler Ridge area. It's sort of northeast of the city. We've got this blob of rainfall making its way to north towards it. But yes, you can see a very intense cell right in here. There's a severe thunderstorm watch in effect right now with a lot of lightning strikes. So we're watching to see how this uh, transpires as it makes its way further north, hopefully giving some impact to the fire. But uh, we well know when we we have lightning or sorry thunderstorms we also get very gusty winds which can be problematic and then in addition the lightning could cause um, more fires so this is some good news maybe we're going to be watching it over the next little while yes we had some good news across the south as well with cooler conditions and rainfall we are going to continue to see that rainfall for the south coast overnight before more moisture shifts further north not expecting a lot for the tumbler ridge area but it could impact the region with cooler conditions and a little bit of cloud cover but uh, Forest, uh, BC River, uh, sorry, the BC Wildfire Service say that they are expecting uh, windier conditions tomorrow, which could be problematic once again. And here's a quick look at the precipitation that we could see in the next 24 to 36 hours. We are going to see a warming trend into early next week, but it drops down beyond that. So thankfully, the long-range forecast, Sophie, is showing cooler conditions. So that uh, warm-up that we're expecting sort of late weekend into early next week is going to be brief. In the meantime, this is your Saturday. Saturday forecast. We are expecting cooler conditions. Showers for the south coast in the morning with breaks of blue sky by the evening hours. Sunday, Monday, hot and dry, but a chance of showers once again into Tuesday and Wednesday. Here's tonight's central windows weather window. I absolutely love this. These are, uh, oh, I wish we could drop the central windows, but look how cute these are. These are common merganser and there's quite a few of them. Apparently the moms can have up to 17 eggs at one time. Oh. Looks like she's got her handful indeed. Could you imagine 17 kids to take care of at the same time? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Christy. Well, you probably remember last month we told you that Winston, the official pet greeter at Victoria's Empress Hotel, was retiring. Well, it turns out he was just retiring from the Empress because Winston now has a new job as director of pet relations at the El Dorado Resort in Kelowna. He made the move because his owner, who was also an Empress employee, became the general manager of the Okanagan Resort. And just as he was at the Empress, Winston is reportedly already a big hit at the El Dorado. I don't know if this means Winston is collecting a pension and a new salary at the new job. I mean, he got a, a pension from the Empress and now he's gone on to a new I don't job. Know. Is that what you're thinking? I mean, I... What is he getting paid Just anyway? questions. Biscuits? I'm sure, biscuits and pets. Yes, yeah, so yeah. Maybe the odd ball and stick or something like that.
Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. That's excellent. Nice, nice start to the season for the Lions. Yes, it was. Um, Dominique Rimes, who was a touchdown machine last year for BC, was also that last night. He had two touchdowns in the season opener against Calgary. It's the first game, but we, we have a lot to like clean up on, but I mean, it's, we're heading in the right direction. It appears that way. They look good offensively, and Dominique Rimes is right. There is more to show for this team, which is considered one of the league's most talented clubs. Also tonight. I misunderstood the nation not liking me just because I'm the referee. Satellite debris coming up later. you haven't lost that pen this yeah oh no I've lost it several times no I, I know we always it. find it again yeah well one time Barry delay had it for some odd reason <laughs> suspicious found it though all right let's talk Lions okay let's uh, given there's only two preseason games in the CFL the early weeks of the regular season are kind of like trying to start an old car on a cold morning everybody sputters a bit takes a while to get going but the BC Lions passing game didn't need a lot of time to get started against Calgary last night in the regular season opener, which BC won 25-15. Approaching the end zone. Looking into the end zone. The Lions set the tone early in their opener. Most notably, quarterback Vernon Adams Jr. showed he is ready to be a consistent leader of this offense. He was 9-for-9 nine nine on the opening 95-yard drive that ended with this touchdown pass to Dominique Rimes. And then on their third possession, Adams orchestrated a 99-yard drive, once again finished off by a touchdown pass to Rimes. It's a positive step for Adams, who's showing with a full training camp behind him, Coupled with last year's experience, he's taking his level up a notch. Just going to keep getting better. Um, I'm not going to sit here and it's one game. You know what I'm saying? We got to watch the film. Uh, we got to get better from it, and uh, I, I think we will. Um, but like I said, I, I am feeling a lot more comfortable than I was last year getting thrown in the fire. Um, he's been looked ready to go ever since uh, since the start of training camp this year. So not surprised by him. Happy for him. He led the way and. Uh, did a great job for us. The Lions offense did have some problems stalling out at times in the mid part of the game, but more importantly, they made big plays at crunch time, something you need to do to win against quality teams. When you play against a good team on the road, there's going to be momentum swings in the game, but I don't think we ever totally let them get that momentum, and we came up with those plays. I thought the end of the half was a huge play when he runs for a first down and they burn their timeouts. You know, stuff like that is is uh, is big. When called upon, I'm going to make plays for my team and, you know, just trying to be the best person I could be for my team and, you know, just set that standard for the receivers and, you know, set that standard for the lead that, you know, we, we the best at what we do. The Vancouver Whitecaps have one more game before they get an 11-day gap between games. Tomorrow night at BC take on FC Cincinnati. The Caps have, I think, played like 11 games in their last 36 days, but this one tomorrow night is against the best team in Major League Soccer. Now, they both played on Wednesday in out-of-league matches. Maybe that'll help even out the fatigue factor a bit. We have to be, of course, very, I would say, respectful of the fact that we play against the best team in MLS at the moment. But at the same time, they played too. 
in the cup during the during the week. They travel from Cincinnati. They didn't have a big party Wednesday night like we did, but it's. Uh, I think uh, I think we'll 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 fill the team that uh, can really create problem to them. Okay, here's an example of how good FC Cincinnati is. This is a goal from the U.S. Open Cup match on Wednesday. It's incredible. Alvaro Barial with one of the best goals of the year. The pass looked like it was a feather falling to the right spot. The delivery should have a do not erase label on it. Cincinnati doesn't just score great goals. They also have great defense as well. So tomorrow will be a tough task for the Whitecaps to win at home. Adam Hadwin at the Canadian Open, round number two. Just saw a great goal. Here's a great shot from Hadwin. This is for a birdie. His drive went a little wayward. He had to knock it back in the fairway. Doesn't need his putter. It's in. Beautiful. Then a long birdie putt here to get it to five under par after 36 holes. Same score Merritt's Roger Sloan has. They're four off the lead, these two. Nick Taylor, like Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford and Ledgeview Golf and Country Club. Two under par, he made the cut. Four BC players made the cut. I mentioned three of them. The other is Stuart McDonald. And Corey Connors from Ontario. This birdie putt, he's just one shot off the lead going into round three tomorrow. All right, Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz at the French Open semifinal action. This one was most anticipated by all the fans, and there were some great points here. Here's one for Djokovic. Yes, very impressive. He won the first set, but watch this point by Alcaraz in the second set. Now, Alcaraz would win the second set, and then he would start cramping up all over the place, and basically his body broke down, and Djokovic ended up winning it in four sets, but that, before he started cramping up, was Brill. Even got a clap from Djokovic. Anyway, Djokovic is on to the final against Casper Ruud. Leila Fernandez of Canada, she's in the doubles final with her partner, Taylor Townsend of the U.S. Um, Mr. Djokovic is trying to win his 23rd Grand Slam title, which will be the most all-time. He's tied with uh, Rafael Nadal right now with 22 each. Okay, tomorrow at Rogers Arena, UFC 289, main event, bantamweight championship fight between the champ, Amanda Nunes of Brazil, and Irene Aldana of Mexico. Nunes is the heavy favorite in this one. She's one of the greats of the sport, and Aldana is the fifth-ranked contender. There you go. All right. Thank you, Squire. Okay. Satellite Debris is up next with you. Yes. Oh, I'm still here. Oh, now I'm there. All right. It's Friday. We made it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that means... Did you think we wouldn't? Well, you never know. I well, mean, that's sometimes, true. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's sometimes a struggle. it's a little touch and go. Yeah. No kidding. Well, we made it. That's the good news. So Everybody made it. We get satellite debris as our reward. Yes. And uh, this first one is a uh, commercial for the National Rugby League sponsored by Westpac Bank. I misunderstood a nation not liking me just because I'm the referee. No one likes bankers too, but all I ever wanted to do is to help you financially. Cause we're a 
just doing a job You keep the game going And you keep dreams flowing So what if they don't like us? Sometimes they need us Me too Not you But you know and we know and they know That nothing's ever gonna stop us bringing fans the food I think they dissed the parking meter guy. I might be wrong well, there. Anyway. Yeah. No one um, a parking ticket. This one is from the good people who run Wrexham. We know who they are. <clears throat> um, okay, that tweet needs some explanation. We stepped in it. We stepped, it was bound to happen. When we tweeted Wrexham United, we forgot to include a super important ampersand. Yeah, I should have read Wrexham and United because Wrexham is gonna be sponsored by United Airlines. It's the front of shirt, which is, it's super exciting. We just, we really wanted to share this. Yeah, now we will not now, nor will we ever change the name of the club. We would never do that. It's probably illegal anyway. If, uh, yeah, if it's not illegal, it should be. Yeah. But let's yeah. make it illegal. Okay. We can do that legally. We are very sorry for the confusion. Yeah, but we're mostly excited. United, that's a major airline. It's a banner day for the team and the town. The city. Right, Wrexham City. I still prefer town. I do too, but I think we gotta button this up a little bit, Ryan. We are now in the EFL. <laughs> Usually Geico has a cute lizard. This time they have, well, you probably know this guy too. Here we go. <laughs> Sir. I'll get it together. I promise. Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than the Pillsbury Doughboy on his way to a baking convention. Get happy. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. There. All right. I'm gone for two weeks, so goodbye. What? But also... We will have continuing coverage of the wildfire situation in BC here on Global and BC One. See you in a couple of weeks.